declare that my God is good forever and ever and ever. My God is good. Declare those words over your Declare those words over your family. Declare those words over your heart. Just declare this morning that God is good forever and ever. God is good to you. Your God is a good God. And ever, my God, you are good forever. And ever, my God, you are forever, forever. And ever, my God, you are good forever. And ever, my God, you are. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, because you are the definition of goodness. You are the one that measures what good is. You are the one that determines what goodness looks like. It was you that first used the word good. The Bible says that you made them and you saw that it was good. And thus was the first day and the first night. And then you are the one that measures what goodness is. So Father, how can any of us say that you are not a good God? When good, has, when good originated from you, when good is a product of your evaluation. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare that you are a good God because you stand over our lives as King and Master and the one that measures. So Father, we thank you for your grace and the sufficiency of your strength and your faithfulness towards us. We receive all your goodness that you have for us today. Blessed be your name now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we're grateful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. And thank you, God. Just one second. So that place you're going to go there. Hey, where are my Kenyans on the call? Yes, you are Yes, you are Is that correct? 
time we go to Kenya we sing that song I hear the song but I think every one of us should learn it all of us from across the world it is such a beautiful song coming out of East Africa Jesus you are worthy of honor and glory powerful Jesus you are worthy of honor and glory so it's Yeshua Yesu Astahili Yeshimana Tukufu Yeshua stahili Yeshimana tukufu Yeshua stahili Yeshimana tukufu Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. So thank you, Nelly, for pushing up the link. So everyone, click the link. All my Nigerians, South Africans, um, Gamians, everybody from everywhere, click the link. And um, let's let's um, sing that song throughout the day. Play it in your car. Play it in your offices. Put your earpod. Don't play it out loud in the office. Put it in your ear. Just keep singing it. Yeshua Sahili, 
Okay, so uh yeah, so that that's a fun an amazing song. I love it so much. Yes, Zipora, such a powerful song. Yes, Daniela Leonard, praise God. Uh hallelujah. Amen. Alright, so this morning we move quickly. I'm really gonna miss you all by the time this ends this evening. I'm sure I'm gonna wake up tomorrow morning thinking access, access. You know, uh, because my I, I wake up two minutes before my alarm every day. It's funny, you know. Oh, AJ, we know we shall see we see each other. <laughs> yeah. So um I wake up like two minutes before my alarm every day and I just lay there and wait for it to go off, you know. But it's been good. It's been good. And I'm so grateful that I get to make this journey with you guys. Like I didn't even think initially when I was like seven, seven days, morning and evening, you know, God will make you set goals with ginger. Like morning and evening, you don't think about the price. It is when I try to wake up the first day, I'm like, yeah, seven days, morning and evening, you know, but it's been, thank you, Modupe, but it's been beautiful. Like, and you all have been like the most amazing church members, you know, um, we, we get together doing, you know, and I feel like I know everyone with your funny comments, you know, with your fire comments, you know, powerful things. Somebody's putting up a link as soon as we talk about it. Somebody's finding the scripture, you know, people are helping me. And I'm like, I don't know, was it Abraham or was it Jacob? So I was like, no, it was Hezekiah, woman of God. It's not Abraham or Jacob, you know. So um, I love it. I love it so much. I love it so much. And um, yeah. I feel like a pastor that is closing down their church. <laughs> so uh, I am looking forward to um, next month, you know, beginning of the month. You know, my my head of media was talking to me. I say, you know, he said, Pia, you know, you can do online church, right? I say, yes, I feel I can. He said, because you really love it. You thrive, you know, online. I see the way you come alive. I said, yes, because pulpit for me is very limiting like you know they give you maybe 45 minutes one hour you're trying to you know compress everything in there you're trying to you know and once I hold a microphone and stand I, I tend to preach you know and you're preaching but once I sit down on a chair and you just give me table and chair that's all I need table and chair and a teaching comes out of me and you know I'm saying number one number two number three you know um so and um, I, I just really feel at home every time I'm sitting in front of a computer um, with my desk. I love, don't get me wrong, I love to, to stand and preach. So please don't cancel the invitation you wanted to invite me to your church. I will still come, please. You know, Wendy, uh, Wendy, please listen to it all over again. Yes, let's go over all the sermons. Um, but the, it is always a joy doing this with, you know, everyone. Uh, send your assignments. I expect them. Uh, Carol says she has enjoyed all the seven days. So you've been here for all seven days. That's fantastic. You know, um, it's been really good. And I just pray that God's anointing continues to rest upon every one of us. And the way we have entered um, September with love, joy, unity, friendship, prayer, worship, you know, um, 
all of this good virtues, I pray that that's how we will run to the end of the year. You know, that none of us will ever lack a companion of believers, that we will always have companions of Christians. You know, people who, you know, we can pray with fellowship, who we ride on the same level of revelation with, you know, that this will be the theme of our lives every day from today. You know, we can say, you know, I have a family of God where I grow, where I eat. I know most of us have our churches. Uh, I believe this is just an extra special by the side. No, I'm not a side chick in Jesus' name. You know, this is an extra special. You understand? Added on the menu, you know. <laughs> and that God has given to all of us. Yeah, I'm not a side pastor in the name of Jesus. So that God is giving to us. I'm, you know, special, what do you call it in extra, extra special or the special of the day, you know. So uh, that, yes, I'm the real deal, man, that God has given. So um, you will always have that. Yes, the chef's special. You know, I am God's special. No, Jesus is the chef. And I had a dream about Jesus last night. And it's funny because we're talking about dreams um, today as part of the ways you maintain an effective gait. And in the dream, uh, yeah, I'm going to share. <laughs> oh, you watched Tipe's Breath. Fantastic, Doi. You see, it was a good, very good documentary. Very interesting. And in the dream, um, I was with a company of people and um, other things had happened, but the end part was, you know, I kept saying to them, Jesus is coming for me. I said, my husband, man, my bridegroom is coming. You know, maybe it's all this or somebody I may talk from last night. Because, and so, but in the dream, it didn't feel like husband because I have my husband, but it felt like the Lord and that savior coming. You know, I was like, everybody expect him. He's coming. Jesus is coming. I said, the bridegroom is coming for us. Everybody get ready. You know, but people just seem very nonchalant. And there's some people who are teasing me. They're like, ah, please, this is your Jesus that you're always saying is coming. This I said, he's coming. He's the bridegroom. The bridegroom will never leave his bride behind. He will always come and get his bride. I was like, he's coming. So me, I dressed up. You know, I wore white. I, you know, some white thing like this uh, around me. I put flower on my hair. You know, I sat down near a field and I was waiting and I kept looking. Is he coming? Is he coming? I kept looking. I kept looking. And I was telling everybody, he's coming. Jesus is coming. The bridegroom is coming. But after a while, when it was getting towards evening, I started getting tired. Understand? But it's not easy to shout for money tonight. My, my father would say, to pray is not easy. You understand? Even Christmas, they sleep. Because to waka, waka, waka up and down, you know, it's not an easy job. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> it's not an easy work. So that's it. It's not easy. Even this man, they sleep, you know. So uh, even me in the dream, it was not easy for me to be shouting for money tonight that Jesus is coming. So after a while, I got, you know, tired. Uh, Pauline, I'll take your dreams soon. Just remind me. You know, after a while, I got tired. And you people, the, the ease with which I'm speaking, as if I have tea next year. Lord, speed up my words in Jesus' name. You know, I got tired and 
but while I was tired, I just stayed there on the field. I didn't leave. I, I stayed at, on the field. And the next day, I heard singing from a distance. Somebody was singing and jumping and singing. I looked through, and the field had, like, I, I, I don't know what we're growing, if it's Bali or something. I think it was Bali. And, in fact, I have to unlock this dream because there are many symbols inside. But I heard him singing from a distance. And I, I got up, I looked. I was like, Jesus. And he was dancing and coming with singing, you know. And, and I ran. I ran towards him. I, you know, gave, he gave me a big hug. And he said, sit down, sit down, sit down. You know, thank you for waiting for me. I said, I don't have anything else I'm going to. I said, well, in this life, can satisfy me. You know, I was joking in my usual manner. And as we sat down, he said to me, he began, it was like, um, you know how the Jewish people bless people. And he was saying stuff in, in the, I think it's Hebrew language, I think. So he was saying some things and he put his hand on my head. And he told me to bring out my hand. And then he put his hand on my hand, you know, and, you know, put his hand on my shoulder. You know, he was releasing blessings on me. I was like, amen, amen, amen. And, you know, amen. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And I put my head on his shoulder. And I woke up. I looked at my alarm. It was two minutes before my alarm was going to go off. I was like, God, why did I wake up? You know, and so I believe really, really strongly that even just beginning with what seemed like a joke yesterday on the call when we're talking about marriage and bridegroom, I believe really strongly that um, the bridegroom is in the midst of us. I believe that the one that we are married to, the one that the church is married to is here on this call. I believe that Jesus enjoys our companionship, you know, and our fellowship with the word. You mean, you know, he's the word. You know, so it's him we're actually fellowshipping with as we're going deep into scriptures. You know, we're analyzing, we're looking, you know, we're laughing. We're talking about the angels. We're like, ah, your own angel, you know, is taking up hobbies. You know, they are all laughing. We're all, you know, talking about holy things, you know, and we're receiving it in joy. It makes him happy. Do you know there are some people that know how to make me laugh? They know how to make me happy. So it's so bad that even when they, they annoy me, they can, I can laugh in the annoyance. Do you understand? Because it's a thing. So everybody loves a joyful person. Everybody loves a person who's like a ray of sunshine. Nobody likes a person that brings gloom into the room, you know. So a sense of humor, a pinch of salt. You know, uh, my, 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 my son, Judah, <laughs> we had a fight. Look, Judah is three years old. So when I talk about him, I'm talking about an old man. You know, we, we had a fight um, some days ago. I was just my friend, Ijoma, and he, he does this thing where from time to time he repeats everything that I'm saying. So I'm like, Judah, please sit down. He's like, Judah, please sit down. I'm like, stop it. Stop it. I'm like, Judah, I'm not joking. He's like, Judah, I'm not joking. You know, so after a while, I start to laugh, you know. Um, and so on this day, he was saying it. And so I jokingly said, look, I will slap you, you know. And he said, look, I'll slap you. I said, eh, <laughs> try it. You understand that it's only a Canadian passport you have. You are not from abroad. I will deal with you like a, you know, so I like, try it. And next thing he took it out. I saw my ancestors arise from the grave. You slap your mama. The way I grabbed him, <laughs> I grabbed him, pulled him on the chair. 
I said, Judah, listen to me in your life. Never raise your hand um, against your mother. He was shocked. He was looking. I said, do you hear me? He said, yes, mommy. I said, what did I say? Never in my life will I raise my hand as my mother. I said, exactly. I said, it does not happen. It never happens. I said, no matter what. Okay, do you hear me? He said, yes, mommy. Yes, mommy. I said, okay. You know, and he got up. He, he walked away. And I said, keep up. Don't be a funny joke. It was supposed to just be a funny joke. I said, yes, but even as a joke, you never, you never do that, even as a joke. He said, but mommy, I'm supposed to be a funny boy. But I'm a funny boy. <laughs> do you know when he said that? I just started laughing. I hugged him. I said, yes, you're a funny guy. I know. I said, but you have to learn boundaries even with your jokes. You know, I said, even as a funny guy, that's not okay. All right. He said, okay, mommy. You know, and I gave him a big hug and, you know, all that. So, um, but the thing is, he knows how to get me laughing. And he'll come and meet me and say, I'm a funny guy, right? I say, yes, you're correct. You're a funny guy. You know, so anytime, any day, he wakes up laughing. And it, I prayed for it, actually, because when I was going through his pregnancy, it was such a hard time. I was always crying. And then my marriage was attacked. I was always sad, always angry. Oh, I, if I, it was a horrible time. So I remember praying one day and I said, God, I've heard that children take on the personality of their mom when, as at the time she was pregnant for them. I said, God, I don't know if it's true, but please, I'm begging you in Jesus' name. Don't let this child come out sad. I said, please, let him be happy. Let him be such a happy boy. I said, let him always have a smile on his face. Let him be filled with laughter. Let him be, you know, and I made that prayer, you know. So Judah literally wakes up smiling. As he wakes up from bed, he's smiling, you know. And I remember the first time Apostomi prophesied over him. He prophesied over him and said, you know, I had the spirit of God. He was a baby. He was just like, I think it was six months or five months or so where he prophesied. I said, you know, the spirit of God is saying, you know, you're going to be that guy who is witty and funny and you walk into the room and you make the whole place radiate. You're going to be that little boy that all the aunties call, oh, my husband, you know, you have an inquisitive mind, but you're going to be marked by your humor and laughter, you know. And I just knew when he made that prophecy that God had heard me and he's growing up to be that exact child, you know. So he, can, he gets anything for me. Do you get what I'm talking about? So in the same way, Jesus loves it. That's why the Bible says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Jesus loves it where we are able to laugh and to smile. So don't be that Christian whose holiness is marked by a frown. And you know, so pastors, when we are preaching strong word, our face will be contorted. Because God in this season is calling you to access. You'll be fine. You get this. The power is not in the face. The power is the power. If you have it, you have it. It is what it is. You get what I'm talking about? So, um, but it is good to have that kind of, you know, um, light, lightness and joy and, you know, and I believe that Jesus has been pleased and the bridegroom is in the midst of it. But I also believe there's a warning in that dream about the arrival of the king and how the king is sending, sending out a warning in this season. And so even though you have been bought with a price, you have been, I'm married, you are one of the virgins. When he comes back and 
contorted face. There is great power. When he comes back, you know, are you ready? Are you waiting at the field, at the barley field for the master? Are you waiting to receive your lover? You remember songs of Solomon when he was talking about the lover coming. And he says that when he came to the door, she was like, ah, please, he's waited. He's made her wait for too long. She was on her bed. She didn't get up. And she said, and then she said she could smell the aroma of the oil of the lover from the door when he held the handle, but she still stayed on the bed. After the lover called for a while, she didn't answer. He got up and he left. That was when she got up from her bed. She's like, where's the lover? Where's the lover? Opened the door, ran into the streets, asking everybody, have you seen my lover? You know, but by then the lover was gone. You know, let's not be those people who the lover comes from. He comes to visit and then he's gone because we didn't respond quickly. You know, so I think that part of the warning is that all of us must maintain an attitude of expectation. We must maintain a, a waiting attitude as it pertains to Jesus, you know, the return of Jesus and everything in our lives now that we build and we craft, you know, must be in alignment with the fact that we know our bridegroom is coming back and we have to be ready for him. Let everything in your life be made ready. Don't let anything hold you back. I was talking to my friend yesterday and I was talking to her about the spiritual concept of shutting down the noise of hell. And I said, you know, sometimes Satan knows he can't get you, but he knows he has gotten this other person. So what he will do is that he will make this person stir up a conversation, you know, that he will not be like, ah, no, this is not what it is. But the person like, no, no, this is what it is. I want to say it. And then you get pulled into that whirlwind of another person's confusion. And before you know what's happening, you will be sucked in. And that thing that that person is dealing with becomes your reality. Osai, you get it. That thing that person is dealing with becomes your reality because conversations are the first keys that open doors. There is no opening of any door without words. So when Satan wants to get you, he will use another person and pull you into their realm by drawing you into the conversation of their own confusion. And before you know what's happening, the entire atmosphere of your life is surrounded by that person's own brokenness. You just start to feel the way they feel. and It becomes a matter. What was not a matter to you before? I say, so we must learn the art of shutting noise down quickly. When any conversation that wants to become something that can pull you into a place that God is not, or God, you have even passed, you've passed that place. You understand? Learn to measure your spiritual journeys. Learn to know when you are not somewhere. So no matter who the person is, as long as you can tell that this person is trying to pull me into this place. Remember, conversations are door openers, you know, and when Satan began to say to Eve, have you looked at this tree? Have you considered, they begin to ask you to, to consider certain things that God has told you, don't even consider it. It's not even... In fact, sometimes it's not with your personality. That's not who you are. They tell you, no, it's your personality. That's what you are thinking. I said, that's not what I'm thinking. You know, be very careful. Shut the conversations. Know how to say, what exactly are you saying? What exactly do you want? Where exactly are you going? What exactly do you expect of me? I learned to ask those questions. It is not rude. It is not arrogant. It is saving you. So you don't get into the whirlwind of a conversation that is going to hold you captive. 
Be quick to apologize. Be quick to make peace. Be quick to want to resolve things. Not that you don't want to deal with matters, just resolve it quickly. Be quick to say, I acknowledge how you feel. And I believe that what you're trying to say is this. So, however, this is what I meant. Nonetheless, it doesn't really matter what I meant. I can deal with my feelings on my own. For now, let me deal with yours. I'm sorry. What else do you need me to do to help you feel better? Uh, it's not about, no, no, no. Just tell me what else do you need? And uh, well, if you had, okay, okay. If I had said the right thing about you, okay, one minute. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, remember the other day when I said, Osai, uh, yes, yes, I'm sorry. You know, actually, I was wrong. She's right here with me. I, I was wrong. I didn't, it wasn't the right evaluation. Yes, yes. She told me you told her, now she's angry. But um, I just want to correct that impression real quickly. Huh? Okay, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, please. Mom, anything else you need me to do? Nothing? Okay, okay, please. Just, just know that. This may sound quick and you know but know that i mean every single thing that i have just done please eh please eh i beg i beg even if the person is your mentee if if I, there's almost nobody here that is my mentee that i have not taken time to apologize to before because i i do trespass a lot actually but i am very quick to make it right once i know i'm like oh, i'm so sorry you i didn't know hey is that how it's uh, sorry sorry oh yeah what do you know do you want me to kneel down that's the point where they say ah ah P.I. now, you cannot, I say no, I don't want, mm -mm, please, you know, I respect how you feel and apologize, that wasn't what I meant, you know, and, and it is what it is, shut down the noise real quickly, shut it down, and sometimes it may not even be for trouble, you understand, it may just even be an enticement, so you won't like the conversation, but it's noise, it's noise, noise is a distraction, shut it down, just say, eh, I mean, okay, so that business we're talking about, let's not even get there. All the hottest guests, all the housewives that are cheating in Lagos, I'm not interested. Shut it down. It's a distraction to pull you into that realm and it will steal your inheritance from you. You understand? Even between couples, there's a way you can tell when that demon wants to enter. Um, where's my socks? Why are you asking me for your socks? Have we not agreed that you will know where they know? Hey, Kale Mosa. Just say, um, oh, no, no, it's okay, it's okay, no problem. Okay, let me look for the socks. Let me look for the socks. Tell where Satan is trying hard to open a door. Just know, it's not every time you fight or you try to impose, you know, what you are trying to say. Do you know I'm so skilled at keeping conversation? I can't wait two years to have a conversation with you. I will check and I'll check. Is a door of access open? If I talk about this thing now, is it going to lead to a storm? Can I, so I, I, I can wait. No matter what it is, I can hear now that you are plotting to kill me. You've collected 30 silver uh, coins of silver, this silver of coins. I don't know how the Bible said it again. I will wait and wait and pray and check and wait and pray and check. And it doesn't change our current re relationship. You know, so that by the time I'm telling you, you're like, ah, but I thought we were okay. I'm like, yeah, we were actually okay. This was just something to deal with. And I was waiting for you to arrive at a place where you are able to bear the weight of what I am going to say so that it doesn't then affect everything else that has nothing to do with it. Nothing. So it, it's that thing of mastering your emotions where emotion does not become the measuring rod that determines when you speak, how you react, what you say. No, 
A Bible says it's a foolish man that speaks everything that is in his heart. We can't be foolish. You get what I'm saying? Foolishness exposes you. The Bible says that an angry man is like a city with broken down walls. Basically, when you are angry, you are defenseless. You are defenseless. Anything can enter your life. Once you get, once you're an angry person, what is your nature? You are always angry. That means you can easily be invaded. You, the demonic has got access into your life. So anger is a gateway for the demonic. Please write it. Anger is a gateway for the demonic. Once you see consistent anger, just know that the person is being attacked. Or Satan is planning a greater attack than even that, that anger. So you have to start praying for that person and saying, God, please, let there be peace in the heart of my brother. Let there be peace in the heart of my sister. I release peace in the name of Jesus. I rebuke that spirit of anger in the mighty name of Jesus because it breaks down your walls. Are we together this morning? So we have to learn to shut it down and focus on the focus. So now when people say, Pierre, I say, listen, my motto for this season is eyes front. Jesus is coming soon. Eyes forward. Jesus is coming soon. So I don't have any time for anything that takes my focus away from the fact that my husband man is coming soon. You understand? You are not obligated to pacify people's insecurities. That is not your obligation. There are many reasons why people are insecure in life and it has nothing to do with what you are doing. You, what you are doing is merely a trigger for something they have to deal with. So you are not obligated to pacify their insecurities. You are not obligated to measure the length, the breadth of what God has called you to be to, based on the insecurities of other people. Nehemiah was building the wall. Sambalat and Tobias came and they were saying, this wall you are building, even if a whatever should go up the fox, the wall will crumble. Nehemiah said, I'm sorry, I can't come down to answer this thing you are saying. There's an urgency. There's something I'm building. If I come down to answer, I may never be able to go back up. So there are some of us that are on a spiritual high today. Now, after seven days, you're on a high. Please do not come down to answer some matters after today. Because there are sometimes you come down to answer Sambalat and Tobias, and you are not able to climb up again. Do you understand what I'm talking about? That place, you can't ascend it. You can't. So you know we, we got there. You remember, we touched something. It was this feeling, ah, I had this, ah. But you can't touch it anymore because you came down to answer something that you should not have even responded to at all. So let your posture while you are building your walls be building equipment on one hand, sword on the other hand, a weapon of war on the other hand. Not because you are going to go and fight the enemy. In case the enemy now has the audacity to come and meet you where you are building, then deal with him. Deal with him. But do not leave your walls to go and answer the enemy's threats because his threats are empty. Are we together? Praise God. Praise God. Um, so the number ninth thing that you need in building an effective gate system is you need to recognize that there's something that opens up in the spirit realm when it's time for a gate. It's called dreams and visions. 
dreams and visions is a particular thing that you see consistently when the gate is being opened. If you look at the life of Jesus, because there's so much in the Old Testament, but look at the life of Jesus, for example. The life of Jesus from the birth of Jesus up to when he was established in his own office and began to preach was marked by a series of dreams. So when God was even going to ensure, it was marked by dreams and visions. So first of all, Mary had a vision of the angel that came and said to her, listen, you're going to have a son, da, 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 da. Then Joseph was going to um, put her away, you know, to say, you know what, I don't know who got you pregnant. You know, as for those of you that are not Nigerians, you've learned it. Remember, I told you, this wisdom key, you don't carry belly. It means you have gotten pregnant. So, but a woman who is married, you don't usually say she don't carry belly. Uh -huh. You say she don't get belly. That means she's pregnant. She has a ring on her figure, not out of wedlock. But outside of wedlock, she don't carry belly. So those South African, American, are you grateful for this wisdom key I'm giving you? So when you come to Nigeria, you fit right in. So according to Joseph, she don't carry belly. You understand? So he sought to put her away. Pastor Bambi, legitimate pregnancy is big English. He gets belly. That's legitimate pregnancy. Illegitimate is it carry belly. So maybe at this point, don't carry belly. And Mary was um, saying that it was a spirit that gave her. <laughs> Nelly. Yeah, she don't carry belly. So. You <laughs> see, blood of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> I can imagine getting to heaven. Mary walks up to me and says, I hear you said I don't carry belly. I said, Mary, please, mother of Jesus, don't be angry. Please forgive me. You know, so, um, <laughs> so uh, yes, Mary saying that it's quite a funny story that it was a spirit. And everybody's like, really? Seriously? You know? <laughs> Okay, no problem, Sha. So, but Joseph was a good man and he sought to put her away privately. And, um, but the Lord, an angel came to him in a dream and said to him, the child she is carrying is of the Lord. Do you understand? This child is God that has put it there. Don't put her away, marry her. So he marries Jesus, um, so he marries Mary. And you see, once again, you know, the angel says to them, oh yeah, go to this place. It's time for the baby to be born. They go. Oh, they are there. They are trying to kill all the children that are from two, I think, two years old down. And then they came to him again in a dream and said, Get up now, go to Egypt. They are trying to kill the child. And he goes. He has another dream again where he's told, um, the one that seeks to kill the child is dead. Now go back. So you see how Jesus was constantly saved as a child through dreams. And so there are many times when God is giving you a child, a divine baby, the baby of a vision, the baby of a relationship, the baby of a friendship, the baby of a marriage. There are many times when God is giving you something. And I can guarantee you that God usually preserves it in dreams and visions. So, but I found out that the, the mainstream Pentecostal church actually doesn't teach about dreams and visions. 
what lead you go to a church and you hear today's service is dreams and visions? And I don't know why, but um, a generation has actually reasoned um, that started to take um, care to learn about these things, you know. So it's actually borderline spooky, spooky spiritual and, oh, we need revelation to really know Jesus. But whatever the case is, there's a hunger to learn past what we used to know. But dreams and visions are real. I've heard a pastor say before, forget about, if I know one pastor, like two or three pastors, actually, forget about dreams and visions. You know, what you dream about is because of what you were thinking about during the day. You know, dreams don't mean anything. You hear people say, I had a dream. So they now get up and follow their dream. What would dream? I don't need dreams. I have the Holy Ghost. But that is anti-scriptural. In George chapter two, it says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. My sons and prophets, my, my sons and daughters will prophesy. My young men will see visions and my old men will dream dreams. So even dream is a sign of some kind of spiritual aging, you know? So as you grow, you are expected to have more dreams. So it's part of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit dreams and visions and prophecy. They are signs and markers of the outpouring of the spirit. So that is actually anti-scriptural. So if you've ever been told to ignore your dreams, I apologize on behalf of every minister of the gospel that has ever said that to you. That might have caused you to lose out on certain key revelation and certain key things um, that God is bringing you into. Astor, I'll get there, you know. So um, dreams are actually from God. And you see it consistently in the Bible, how the Lord ministers to people through dreams and visions. Now, a, a couple of, uh, there are two people that had dreams in the Bible. You know, one of them is, uh, Father Abraham, you know, we know how Abraham had, um, dreams, you know, a dream, actually a very particular dream that was very instructive in Genesis 15. And in Genesis 15, we see how the Bible, it begins by saying, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Um, don't be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. Genesis 15. Oh, somebody told you you dream too much. Well, tell them you don't dream enough. It's that simple. Um, so after this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham, I am your shield, your very great um, reward. But Abraham, Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, who are you? Who, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate um, is a and the one who inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham said, you have given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir, my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. I want you to notice one thing that Abraham did. Uh, somebody said, James is the least reliable way God speaks to people. The dreamer in me was heartbroken. It's not true. It's not true. It's not the least reliable way God speaks to people. Honestly, you know, 
um, it's not the least reliable way because if you go um, to the Bible, God spoke about many things to people in dreams. You know, yes, we have the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit can, as a matter of fact, for many Christians, dreams are the most reliable way because many Christians, their consciousness affects the ability of the Holy Spirit to speak expressly and clearly to them. You know, because of their consciousness, they are overthinking. So even when the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm going to give you this nation, the person is thinking, ah, immigrants like me, hey, I don't have green card. Ah, me that they still arrested my father. Me. So their consciousness interferes with the clear voice of the Holy Spirit. So when God now wants to speak to them, he bypasses their, their human consciousness, goes into their dream to give them a clear word that they cannot ignore. And I will show you that scripture. So it says, seeing that I'm childless. So when God said to Abraham, I just want you to note something. It says, Abraham, do not be afraid. I am your shield, a very great reward. What was Abraham's answer? Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I am childless? And sometimes we need to learn to be like that. God came to him, just small introduction. No? Imagine somebody say, hi, my, my name is, um, you know, um, Aliko Dangote. Hi, how are you doing? Hi, please, what can you give to me? <laughs> I need money. <laughs> yes, uh, Abraham, man, just went for the, the horn quickly. Uh, since you say you are my shield and you are my great reward, let's discuss what can I have over there? What do you have that I can take? You know? Um, but going forward, God begins to speak to him about all the things that, you know, he would do with him and the things that he would do in him, you know. Um, and then when you go to, God begins to say, oh, don't worry, you have somebody that will take away, uh, take your estate in verse 10, I think. So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, goat and a ram. Each should be three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abraham brought all these to him, cut them in, in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. The beds, however, he did not cut in half. The beds of prey came down on the carcass, but Abraham drove them away. So Abraham set the altar the way God told him to set the altar. He did everything, but yet nothing happened. So the beds of prey began to come down. Maybe vultures started to come down to eat the carcass. So Abraham, yes, Abraham using a stick to try. Go away, go away. God, the God of heaven, my banner and my great reward has spoken to me. Today is a day of covenant. Move, move, move. From enter September, Pierre has taught us about covenant altar. Has taught us about fire on the altar. You know? And then the beds of prey are coming for your sacrifice. They are coming for that thing that you are calling sacred. And you are consecrating unto God, bent or pray, have the audacity to come. You understand? And they are trying to eat it, and Abraham is driving them away. I'm preserving my sacrifice upon my altar. I'm not going to let anybody infiltrate, you know, as the sun was setting. So you have to understand what is going on here. God is calling you out to establish his eternal covenant with you. God is calling you today. And say, ah, ah, where is Osamudia, man? He didn't wake up this morning. Somebody wake him up. You know, God is calling you and is saying that, you know what? I want to establish my covenant with you. I want to establish you for all the nations. Now, here are the things you should do. While you are, you are trying to do it and gather everything that God tells you to gather, 
Destruction comes, hell comes, Satan comes, and they're trying to steal it. You must learn to preserve your covenant. Okay, Osan, oh, you are also Ose. All right, Osamudiame, good to see you. So you must learn to preserve the covenant on the altar that God has set for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? That you are setting for God. You must learn to preserve the prayer. You must learn to preserve your Bible watches. You must learn to preserve your consecrated speech. You must learn to preserve your, preserve your heart of repentance because the birds of prey will come. Why? Because sometimes you set up the altar structure and God doesn't respond immediately. So you are there saying, Apple God, I've done everything. You know, our PIA, we are, we are in Thursday. You know, nothing has happened. Nothing supernatural. Nothing powerful yet. Ah, there are miracles I'm expecting. I haven't seen. Just preserve the sacrifice. God always comes for his sacrifice. Are we together? So here is, um, it says, but then when the sun was setting, so there was a time of the day where God had decided to meet with him. And you know, the setting of the sun, it's usually, it usually feels like it's the end. It usually feels like, well, the day has ended, nothing has happened. It usually feels like, well, the season has passed. Oh, well, September is ending, still nothing. But remember, the setting of the sun may just be what heralds the coming of the Lord. So do not give up. Do not feel that because the sun is setting, the lights, the illumination, the power, the glory, everything you felt while we're praying, ah, it seems like the sun is going down. It doesn't mean that the Lord has gone. God is coming. So while the sun was setting, Abraham fell into a deep sleep. Another time we hear that somebody was in a deep sleep, it was God that did it, and it was Adam. And so while his Adam slept, what happened? Creation happened out of him. So there are some things that God wants to create, that God wants to pull out of you. And the only time he can perform such a surgery is when you are asleep. Have you ever seen where you are walking, a doctor is performing major surgery on a person that is awake? It's not possible. The most they will give is a spinal, a, what do they call it? A spinal anesthesia that will paralyze you know, a part of your body. So you can't feel anything. And then, you know, they cut open your tummy and take out the baby or they perform whatever. But you, you, you will not be awake, wide awake. And then they are ripping your organs out, bringing out your kidney. People of God, how we had operation. That's how, when I was doing, a, I think, fibroid operation, like four, five years ago, that's how in the middle of the surgery, while I'm there, my eyes spinning, I said, they will not kill somebody in Nigeria. While I'm there, my eyes spinning. I start to hear the doctor say, can you find it? Can you find it? I say, hey, the husband was doing I said, Bobby, what are they looking for? I say, may they not lost my kidney for Nigeria. God, I beg. Maybe it's uh, uh, my, my, my uh, small intestine now. They've removed the canal find again. I said, Bobby, what are they looking for? What are they looking for? was going up. The doctor was going to come down. And then we need to come down. You know, I said, what are you looking for? <laughs> hey, because I already said they say yes, that's her ovary, yes, that's her womb. I can I could hear them pulling things out. The next thing, what they are talking about, they are saying, we can't find it. Have you seen it? I said, Oh God, this I'm gonna live here two hundred less. Jesus help me. So <laughs> my husband said, babes, you calm down, you relax. You can control everything. 
I said, but what are you looking for? After the next day, I said, we have found it. They were all happy. I said, God, Jesus Christ. What were they looking for? They said one of the needles they were using to sew. That they counted whether it's eight. By the time they finished the surgery, it's only seven. I said, are you for sure you have counted this thing again when? Now, don't forget needle inside my body. For the two be sewing away while you have finished surgery. So the shah said they found it in the needle and I was very glad. But God is not like these doctors. When God is performing a surgery, it was a clean job. Do you understand? Please, not all Nigerian doctors are bad, please. You know, we have some amazing, amazing, powerful professionals. As a matter of fact, the world is looking for our doctors. They are constantly going abroad, you know. So we have some really powerful, good people here um, in Nigeria that are diligent at what they do, you know. So I'm not trying to give our medical field bad sports, even though some people deserve some bad sports. You know, let's stay on the topic. So God does a clean job um, on Adam. He puts him into a deep sleep. And so production happens while Adam was asleep. Multiplication happens while Adam was asleep. You know, so sometimes a deep sleep is needed for God to raise a new covenant out of you. Now, so what happens? It says, while the sun was setting, Abraham fell into a deep sleep and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Of course, we know who it is. You know, he wraps himself in darkness. Sometimes when God wants to appear because we cannot bear the weight of the glory, you know, and then it says in verse 13, then the Lord said, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. So in Genesis 15, God already began to speak to Abraham about the captivity of the children of Israel that will happen four generations later, right? So Isaac, Jacob, um, and Joseph. You know, and then after Joseph, a Pharaoh arose that did not know God. So four generations later, you know, so um, it says, know for certain that your descendants, so God can speak to you about things that will happen in four generations to come. God can speak to you about your great-great-grandchildren. God can speak to you about things that will happen in your nation in another hundred years. So, and because what happens is when you are asleep, your spirit is alive. You actually never really go to sleep. Do you understand? It's your body that sleeps, not your spirit. The spirit doesn't sleep. The spirit man does not need sleep. It is the body that needs sleep. So while you are asleep, your spirit and your soul is just moving up and down. So what you feel your spirit with during the day determines the kind of regions and territories it enters at night. So if you feed your spirit with all kinds of pornography, you know, dirty movies, if when you sleep, you'll be dreaming of Tupac. You will see yourself inside. You are you. Sometimes you see yourself in hell. You are helping Satan to find people. You know, find the flame of fire. You have to feed yourself the right things so that you can make the necessary journeys when your your body is asleep. You understand? So, because your spirit is a major part of who you are, the three of them function together. 
spirit, soul, and body. So the soul is in the middle, the spirit and the body. So the soul is the midpoint of intercession between the spirit and the body. And so the soul is the residue of all the emotions. So if you are having spiritual emotions or of spiritual encounters, your soul assimilates you the, 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 the feelings of your spirit and your soul becomes a spiritual soul so that you are not responding the way and people respond in the flesh. So your emotions even are converted into a spiritual position when you feed yourself spiritually. But when you feed yourself in the flesh with carnal things, your soul becomes very carnal. And, you know, it's flaring up, it's getting angry, it's acting up, and you can't control yourself. No, I just can't take it. I just can't take it. It's because of what your body, you are more in the flesh, in the body. So your soul is being very carnal. Do you understand? Yes, you wake up, you do remember your dream. What you have to do is pray in the spirit. You understand? Because you are transitioning, transiting between two realms. So your body um, and your spirit are not the same. So here is your body sleeping. And here is your spirit going up and down, attend party, go to the gate of heaven, fight warfare, defeat Amadi Yoha. You know, all those things happening in your spirit. And then as you are waking up, you are trying to, do you understand? Come back. So you are pushing from one realm into another realm. So in the time of transition, um, Astor, I, I know I should have a couple of teachings on, on the three realms, but I can't remember which one exactly. So as you are pushing and making that transition, um, sometimes information gets lost because information can get lost in transition. You know, so by the time you open your eye, you are trying to, your body, your brain is trying to catch up with the experience of the spirit. Because while you are awake, um, it is your, your brain that is controlling things. Even so, you have to then learn to always touch base with your spirit when you are awake. Touch base, you know, that's when you are ruled by the spirit. But while you are asleep, your spirit is when bandana is, is in charge. You know, so some people's spirits cannot wait for them to go to bed. Sleep. If I want you are there, say, ah, I can't sleep. The spirit is blowing wind. This so that you can sleep, so that God can encounter you, so that it can be free to have God-like encounters. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, um, yes, so spirits are like Antonio Banderas. Yeah. So, you know, um, so when you, you, you don't catch up, information can get lost. So the way to quickly catch on with what um, the Lord or what you saw in your dream is pray in the Holy Ghost. So the whole praying in the Holy Spirit quickens your remembrance, not just the remembrance of your brain, but the remembrance of your spirit, because there's a memory bank in your spirit also. So when the Bible says, forget the former things, do not remember the things of old, you literally cannot give yourself amnesia. So God wasn't talking about your brain function, he was talking about your spirit function. So in your spirit, you also have memory. So your memory uh, can be dull spiritually, so you have encounters, you don't remember them. So you have to pray. So like when I woke up this morning, all I remember is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know, I remember the dream ending with Jesus. I mean, putting my head on his shoulder and say, oh, Jesus, I love you. But I couldn't remember anything else before that. So what I did was I laid on my bed. I wasn't even praying out loud. I was praying in my spirit. As I was praying in the spirit, 
It's like when you're downloading a document. Remember all my dreams throughout the night. So you have to make a practice of that. Also, how you wake up matters. And I believe part of the reason why the Holy Spirit during this period was making me wake up before my alarm is because when your sleep is quickly interjected by loud sound, there's a jet boom. Your spirit comes back into your body. You, you tend to forget. So one of the things that my husband does not do is wake me up suddenly. You understand? He doesn't like, just turn on the light, open the window. So he, because he knows I'm a dreamer. So over the years, we have come to understand that, okay, my wife is a dreamer. She just may be having an encounter. She's sleeping beside me. She may be in heaven right now. So my husband will say, babes, babes, you know, sometimes he'll touch me, babes, babes you know, and shake me a little bit. I know, I know yesterday we said we shouldn't call ourselves baby again. So maybe I'm going to look for a new name. Hallelujah. Amen. So, <laughs> so you, and then, so I wake up gently because I know I am a dreamer and I don't want to forget. Mama G, you wake up. Mama, I wake up. Yeah. So, and I don't want to forget um, what I have <laughs> My lion. There's one person that told me that their um, mother calls their father, talking about our respect. And so she will kneel down. She wants to say, says, my Lord, spiritual. I say, ah, this is a new level of respect. <laughs> That's not the kind of names we are talking about, please. <laughs> Very Lord spiritual. So anyway, let's his people, let's the point. Um, so he doesn't wake me up suddenly because he knows I may be having an encounter. You understand? Um, so you have to steward your spiritual experiences effectively. You know, where you learn to master how the Lord works with you, and know that every time you are at a season of a gate, the Lord can speak to you through a dream then you steward your ninth moments very carefully. Uh, so the Lord said to him, you know, your children will go into captivity for 400 years. God is speaking about four generations to come. He says, but I will punish the nation that serve as slaves. And afterward, they will come out with great possession. So here is God prophesying in a dream. I need people to understand what's going on here. So that the next time the Lord speaks to you in a dream, you don't take it for granted. You don't take it for granted. So, for example, Pastor Bambi is a serious dreamer. If Pastor Bambi comes down and tells me tomorrow, Pia, I had a dream that you are the president of Nigeria, I will run for office because I know that her dreams are like pam, pam, pam. Now, the one that concerns her plus the one that is not her business, she will see all of them together. You understand? So, God begins to prophesy to Abraham about what is about to happen. And since they will be slaves, but I will punish the nation. Listen to me. God was now speaking not even about fourth generation now. God was speaking about what will happen eight generations away. So maybe God was speaking about what will happen if I do a captivity for 400 years. So maybe before between Abraham to Egypt, maybe it was, let's just give it maybe like 200 years at least. So God was speaking about what will happen 600 years to come. So some of you have had some dreams. You're like, I don't know, Pierre, it was just funny. It was just silly, Sha. Because I saw things inside that I didn't understand. Listen, you may actually be seeing 600 years to come. You may be seeing 
500 years to come. You may be receiving a covenant for 50 years to come. You just never know. You say, oh, I, and I saw a child. It's like, my child, I don't have any girl now. Why are you sure you're not seeing your great-granddaughter? So do not take for granted the things that the Lord says to you in dreams. It says, and I will deal with the nation that um, enslaves them. It says, and I will, um, yes, I, I mean, I have gone to another time in my dream. There was once when I, I was being, I was in a building that was collapsed and an angel came to me and said, I'm the angel of the Lord and I was sent to deliver you. And then he begins to put some mark, markings on my hand. And I said, what are you doing? He said, in order for you to survive this, I need you to take, I need to take you to another time, you know. And he then does the markings. And I said, please, I don't want to go in. Don't give me two people. He said, done. And I'm, I'm traveled back in time, you know, to another nation and another time, you know, and the two people were with me. So there, there, there are many things that are going in the spirit realm, you know. So, uh, bam, 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 bam. And it, it speaks to Abraham about the great wealth transfer. It says, I will bring them out with great possession. You know, it says, you, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. So God tells him about the fact that he will die an old man. So in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here. But the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and the darkness had fallen, a smoke of fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, to your descendants, I will give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river of Euphrates, the land of Kenites, Kenizzites, Kadomites, Hittites, Perizzites, um, um, Rephaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Gergashites, and Jebusites. So God made a covenant with Abraham while he put Abraham to sleep. Another person that um, had an encounter with God in his sleep that God poured an anointing upon while he slept was Solomon. You know, so we see in First Kings 3, um, after Solomon, you know, offered up this sacrifice to the Lord at the high places um, because the temple had not yet been built, how the Lord then came to Solomon in verse 4. He says, the king went to Geber to offer sacrifices for what for was the most important high place. Solomon offered a thousand bond offerings on the altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown me great kindness. You see how they are having a very logical conversation in a dream. Very intelligent conversation. Solomon is like, you're giving me great kindness to your servant, my father, David, because was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. So Solomon is having a well-constructed conversation with the Lord. He says, but I am only a little child and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among, where is this going on? Dream, in a dream. For some of you in the dreams, you just talk anyhow because you have not trained your spirit and you have not fed your spirit during the day. So when you are having a God encounter in your dream, you, you, your, your words are in short. God says, what can I give you? Ah, God, anything or anything you want. While another person is explaining, in fact, his response is in paragraphs. You know, he's building a thesis 
you have done this for me. You've given my father the point. You have anointed me. But, but Lord, I am but a, a little child and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or to number. You know, so give me, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong for, for who is able to govern this great people of yours. Come on, that is so powerful. It's so powerful. While in a dream, Solomon is articulately explaining and negotiating for wisdom. It says in verse 10, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So what are the things that you ask for when you are standing at a gate and part of the keys that God is giving you to use to govern that gate is a dream. Can you tell that you are in a season of response? Can you tell that you are in a season where God is saying, what is your answer? What will you say? So these two scriptures, you begin to realize that God speaks expressly to people. Now, Job 33 verse 14 to 17. So I shared those two scriptures to talk about how when people are in a, a season of an open door and a season of an open gate, how the Lord speaks to them. Now, I have shared a couple of these things before in previous teachings. So if you've heard them, use it as a refresher and use it as something to stir up your spirit again. So um, in Job 33, verse um, 14 to 17, for God may speak one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men, When deep sleep falls upon men, while slumbering on their beds, he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction in order to turn man from his deed. I need you to hear me very carefully. It says, while they are in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men, while slumbering on your bed. So who looks at you? They'll just see you like this. Oh, so you're slumbering on your bed. He says deep sleep and slumber. That's why you must allow yourself sleep deeply. Can we go there a little bit? Because it says it is while deep sleep falls upon men, slumbering on their beds. Then he puts, he seals their ears with instructions. So part of the reason why some people don't have dreams is because they are not deep sleepers. They are not deep sleepers, very light sleepers. So your, your spirit is never able to go far. You're always there. And there are habits that make it hard for you to be a deep sleeper. So for example, you know, eating too late at night can affect how you sleep. Also, you know, even the conversations of the things that are troubling you, where you sleep, how you sleep, you get what I'm talking about. So if you are sleeping in a mosquito-infested room, you most likely will not sleep deeply. Do you get what I'm talking about? You most likely will not sleep deeply because you are spending the night you know, killing things. So you, you are never really resting. You know, for some of you, you need to change your pillows. Do you get what I'm talking about? You need to change your pillows. For some of you, you need to change your beds. You need to sleep properly. One person may just need to get an air conditioner in their room so that your body can calm down, your spirit can move well. You know, and some people, like, like I just said, some people fall asleep binging on Netflix. So while you are sleeping, 
you are hearing conversations that uh, uh, what's his name is having and uh, the rock is having with uh, Jennifer Lopez inside your dream. So you are thinking it's you. So inside your dream, I say, yeah, I'm gonna jump from a high mountain. You open your eyes and see it's the rock that is speaking. You understand? So you, you, you want to create an enabling environment that enables you to sleep so that you can receive from the Lord. Because when you are in a season of a gate, like Abraham, God was about to cut a major covenant with him and to speak to his future, he fell asleep. Solomon, he does the same. Joseph, so you want to make sure you have an enabling environment. Now, it says, while they're slumbering on the bed, God opens their ears. How can you say you're opening the ear of a person that is sleeping? If he's sleeping, technically in the flesh, that means the person cannot hear you. You know, so somebody will say, ah, did you hear me when I came in? I came into the room and, and, and you didn't hear me open the door because you were asleep. So technically, when a person is asleep, they don't hear. But scripturally, you have another ear. You, there's another ear you have when you are sleeping. And it is not this ear. It is the ear of your spirit. God comes and impresses something on your heart. He says he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction in order to turn man from his deed. So that means God can cause repentance to happen while a person is sleeping. So you wake up in the morning and you just feel like, you know what, I want to do it differently. You know what, mm -mm, I have to take it fast. I have to enter a time of prayer. Ah, I cannot continue like this. So God turns men away from their deed while they sleep. You remember the king um, um, that favored, I, it was excess, right? That favored Mordecai. He could not sleep. Oh, no, no, that one, he could not sleep at night. But even dreams like um, Joseph and Pharaoh, it was in the night. And so another thing you want to realize is that God doesn't speak to only Christians in dreams. Bible records a lot of unbelievers that had dreams. Remember one of the first dreams that was recorded in the Bible was actually the dream, um, ah, what was the name of the king that wanted to take Abraham's wife? You know, there was a king that was going to take Abraham's wife. And that was the first time we saw a dream. God came to him in a dream. Abimelech, thank you. God came to Abimelech in a dream and said to him, actually, I think that was the first dream that was recorded in the Bible. It was to an unbeliever. It was to a hidden king. And God warned him, remember why? When you are asleep, God bypasses everything else and he overrides your normal system to speak to you. So God comes to Abimelech in a dream concerning Abraham. So there are countless times God speaks to Pharaoh, you know, in a dream concerning Egypt. Sorry, I want to see what someone said. Uh, yeah, and, and actually literally threatens Abimelech in a dream. You understand? Remember the scripture we read yesterday? How God also threatened, God has a reputation of threatening people in dreams, actually. How God threatened Laban in a dream and said to Laban, don't touch Jacob. Don't even do good or do bad to him. Don't have no reaction. Just go there and be neutral. So imagine a man that has been chasing somebody for seven days with your horse. He could be good, he could be just say, I will kill him. I'm sure as, as uh, Laban was riding, it was like actual film. Jacob, I'm coming for you. After all, the ginger ended their threats. Finally, catches up with Jacob. 
which is his tent for the night, and says, I will go and meet him in the morning. And then at night, God comes to him and says to him, don't try it. Don't touch him. Don't even speak good to him. Don't even speak bad. Say nothing. Just go there and look at him like a mimi. That's all I'm asking you to do. If not, I'm going to deal with you. So it's possible for God to speak to people about you in dreams. You will just go meet them and say, listen, this is my daughter. Whatever you do, please don't frustrate her. And you just see that somebody will wake up and start being nice to you. And you are thinking, ah, what happened? But it's like, don't worry, it's okay. I'm good now. God has spoken. Now, um, of course, I've quoted Joel um, chapter 2 when it says, and it shall come to pass in the last days. In Acts chapter 2, when um, we saw um, the, the, the disciples, you know, baptism of the Holy Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost, and the people said, in fact, before we go on, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just pray over ourselves, O oh God, and we thank you, Father, because a gate is open to us in the realm of the Spirit. We thank you, Father, because we're in this season where you're teaching us how to possess the gate, and you're teaching us all the things that we need um, to master the seasons of open doors. Father, we are asking in the name of the Lord Jesus that you help us to master our moment of the night. Father, we understand that this is um, spiritual wisdom and spiritual knowledge that you are giving to us, O oh God. And you're training us on how to be spiritual beings. So, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I ask, O oh God, that every ear that is listening to me this morning will hear me right. And I pray, Father, that they will hear you effectively. And I pray, O oh God, that to anyone whose dream life has been stolen from them, that let today be the day of restoration in Jesus' name. Let today be the day, O oh God, where all the spiritual things and components that they are hearing about where it is restored to them. Let it not be too far from anyone on this call. Let it be normal, Father, for them to have encounters with your spirit in the name of Jesus. Lord, we bless you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we give you praise because we are in the new day, oh God. We are in the new season and we receive everything that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just felt the need to consecrate that moment and to just dedicate it onto the Lord um, real quickly because I felt like the Lord, the Lord is really on the matter of people's dream lives. Um, so in Acts chapter 2, when they were saying, what is this that is going on? You know, Peter stood up and he said to them, remember what it was said by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. My sons and daughters will prophesy, my young men will see vision, and my old men will dream dreams. So Peter defending the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2, defended the outpouring of the Holy Ghost from what was spoken in Joel chapter 2. So you have to understand that the first statements, part of the first statements, remember the Bible says, Peter, being filled with the Holy Ghost, stood up and said. So what Peter said was the Holy Spirit bubbling out of him. So the Holy Spirit referred to Joel chapter 2. That is to tell you that it is a very, very vital scripture. The Holy Spirit referred to, to Joel chapter 2. So this verse in Joel 2.28 proclaims that in the last days, God poured out the Spirit on all humanity. And the result of the outpouring will be dreams. Part of the result of the outpouring will be dreams. So in quoting Joel, Peter not only associated the event of the Pentecost with Joel's early prophecy, an earlier prophecy, 
he also confirmed it to be the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. So in doing that, he also indirectly announced that the last days had come. So when you begin to see this flow of dreams, it is a confirmation of the days in which we live. It's the last days. So it commenced from that moment of Acts chapter 2. And the last days will be completed when Jesus returns. So that's the time from Acts chapter 2 to when Jesus returns. So this is, it's not now that the last days began. A new season opened from Acts chapter 2. A new gate in the spirit opened in Acts chapter 2. The coming of the Holy Spirit was the mark of the last days. That is when it began. Not now. Do you get what I'm saying? Perhaps we say, oh, all these end time prophets, end time wives, end time side chick, you know, because there are end time side chicks. There were side chicks 30 years ago that did not used to allow the wives to know that they exist, respect them. But end time side chicks, they will even want to decorate your house. You know, they want to do the interior decoration and collect the contracts and have the audacity to watch you and take a picture inside the house. Oh my God, my decorator did a good job. Meanwhile, you don't know that it's the woman that wants to collect the house. She decorated it according to her dreams and aspirations so that the day she... You, end time, side chicks. Anyway, so, but end time did not begin now. It began from Acts chapter 2. So it is the coming of Jesus that is going to mark that time, end of that. It's going to mark the end of the last days because by the time Jesus returns, it is the, remember the dispensation um, the millennial reign of Christ. I taught you about dispensations the other day. So it marks another season. I hope we're together. So um, what that means is that we are in the last days. We cannot get more last than these days that we are in right now. And yet, if we are honest, as a body of Christ, we still struggle with dreams. We still struggle particularly with dreams as being a form by which God speaks to his people. So um, one of the things I want to say to you about dreams, um, because we're talking about possessing your gates and managing your gates. So when God, once you're in a season of a gate, your spirit is open to having dreams of the Lord. You know, some people, when their marriages are making a transition, they are bombarded with dreams. They start to see things that are going on in their homes. So when God wants to save a woman, he starts giving the husband dreams about her. And the man wake up and says, sweetheart, I have had this dream of back to back where I saw there's one man like this. He has this one. He looks like this. You know, I saw him. He gave you flower. Ah, it was the meaning of that one. I think mean, nobody's giving me flower. Back to back. God is saying something. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is speaking. So, but when you want to interpret your dreams, please, Hold off on making judgments about your dreams or visions until you've heard what the Bible has to say on the matter. So the Bible is your first compass by which you interpret dreams. So everything you see in a dream, there is always a reference to written scriptures. So for example, um, this dream that I had last night, I'm actually going to go back to the Bible and look at fields of value, you know, what does it mean? What was the Bible talking about? I am going to go back and look at the bridegroom. I know it's Jesus. You know, I'm going to go back and look at certain things. The cloth I wore, you know, what it looks like, the color of the cloth, the time of the day. Remember in the dream, by the time I was getting to in the evening, I was tired. But that was when the master came. So 
always go back to the Bible. You see something to do with hair, or you see something to do with food, or you see something to do with shoe or sandals. Go back and see what the Bible is saying about it. Let the Bible be what gives you context to every dream that you have. So um, another of the things that you want to understand is that you can receive a prophetic word in a dream. You understand? You can receive a prophetic word um, in a dream. Uh, and some people, because of how busy you are and the fact that you have not learned to, you know, there are some people that have big destinies but small spiritual habits. Just I'm talking about big destinies or very small spiritual habits. So their spiritual habits are not allowing their destinies to manifest. So many times they feel stuck. Many times they just, they, they, even because I'm big destinies, because God needs them to do great things. But their spiritual habits are so poor that it's not happening. But this person's destiny, the entire nation of Sudan, is based on what this person does. Do you know what God will do? God will just go and meet with the person consistently in a dream until you are able to build up desire in your inside to now maintain a, the right spiritual culture so that even during the day you can hear the Spirit of God. So I'm not saying wait for God to speak to you in a dream only. No, God speaks in diverse ways. The Bible says in multiple ways, yea, the Lord can speak to man. So God speaks to people in different ways. So you are missing out of different um, streams of information when you're waiting for only dreams. You are missing out on the stream of discernment. You are missing out on the stream of visions. You are missing out on the stream of the audible voice of God. You are, you are missing out on sensing. So there are many ways God can speak to you. So when you are waiting for dreams only, you are actually missing out on many parts of that conversation. So but when people who have um, big destinies that God wants to use majorly in time um, are not able to have the spiritual culture to facilitate what God wants to do, God then depends on their dreams. Now, even non-Christians, both Christians and non-Christians, you know, can have dreams on God. You know, in fact, even Saul, when Paul, when he was Saul, had an encounter where he met with the Lord and God encountered him. He was an unbeliever, but yet he had a vision. So you understand um, what I'm talking about? So for over 4,000 years, 5,000 years, God has used dreams as a form of guidance, you know, to help people discover his will. Um, now you will see that in Psalm 105, verse 16 to 19. I'm just going to touch on it real quickly and then we go. 105 verse 16 to 19. It says, Moreover, 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 he called me, moreover, moreover, he called me, moreover, he called me, moreover, What's the meaning of that word, Seth? Moreover. Well, so moreover, he called a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread 
he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. Dear <laughs> Lord, this is well. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. He says, furthermore, he caught a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread. He sent a man before them. Is he Furthermore, he called a family. He destroyed all the provisions of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. Look, honestly, I'm reading the scripture over and over again because I cannot remember the revelation that I want to share. God, please help me. What am I saying, Lord? Okay, we're talking about dreams, right? And we're talking about visions. And yes, so it says that <laughs> closing the conversation so I can concentrate. So it says that um, God called a famine in the land. But how did God call the famine in the land? He called the famine through a dream that Pharaoh had. And we know that um, it was through that dream that Joseph then began to um, cause there to be deliverance for the people of Egypt, you know, through the dream that Pharaoh had. So the Bible says that he called a famine. So it was God that called a famine. It wasn't a famine that happened. God called the famine. He says God destroyed all the provision of bread. He sent a, but he sent a man before them was sold as a slave. So Joseph's entire life was because something was about to happen in the future. So God sent Joseph ahead of the famine into Egypt, you know, and you know, just thinking about the scripture critically, I know we are on dreams and we're going to go back there, but I need you to understand that there are some people that are sent into your life ahead of a season that is coming. And that's why we must be very spiritual people because sometimes you may not even see the relevance of the person now. You may not even understand what they are doing. You know, I've shared the story of people like Pastor Bambi, for example, and how, you know, what we started with was coaching, you know, and so I was her coach in terms of professionally. And so we would sit in front of the computer every other week and, you know, she paid me money and back and forth, I'll give her assignments, I'll tell her this one, you know, I'll tell her do this, you know, we'll go back and forth talking about life, talking about issues, career, you know, and all of that. She's in the marketplace. And that's what we did for one whole year. And so it was when the year was ending and I was praying about it. I was like, Lord, this person, what do you have for her? Because I was like, I'm just in that coaching. I don't have the strength, you know, um, because I'm like, maybe people cannot descend the difference between having a coach and having a therapist. 
your coach is not your therapist, you know, so I'm not there to sit down. You tell me, you know, because my grandfather used to sell a cloth and then I'm, I'm like, look, I can't do that. Can we get into your future and some key strategies that you need to be able to possess some major gates in life? You know, so at that point I was tired. I needed to create a new uh, plan for coaching and stuff like that. And so I said, oh, I'm shutting this down. Uh, but I started praying and I prayed for everybody that, you know, was under my coaching system at that time. And I was like, Lord, you know, this lady, what do you have for her? And God said to me, it's time for her to get into ministry. And I was like, what? I said, she doesn't look like ministry. You know, she, I said, Bambi, I salute your oil. You know, I honor you, woman of God. So, but as at that time, I was like, she doesn't look like ministry, you know, and God has spoken that is women's ministry. I said, God, she's going to beat other women. She doesn't have, she's not like that. As a Bambi is like an Ojimba. She understands. So it's like, okay, so, okay, what do we have to do? All right, let's just get straight to the business and stop wasting time. GMHRO, she's very, you know, so I was like, she's not like women's ministry person. She will not do, you know, um, uh, at the way she will not do okay. Let's come up wear the same clothes. We are all dancing out now. All the women. I was like, she can't do it, Lord. And God said, This is what I'm calling her to do. Tell her and let her work with you. I said, God, it's different. So if you say this, I work, I should send her to this church. That's better for me. But you are saying, Should I? Like, I don't see it, Lord. I don't see it. And God said, Say it. You know, so I remember. Um, taking counsel, and I spoke with another person. This person said, Look, the Lord is asking you to tell this person that this is the next season of their life. <laughs> Go ahead and have the conversation. So I remember getting on the call with her, and I said, You know, um, I know we're ending this um, session, this our coaching. It's been one year, it's been an honor, you know, coaching you and all of that. I said, But here is what the Lord is saying to tell you that it is time for you to do ministry. Um, and he actually remembered giving you a word about women and I feel it's time you know, to do women's ministry. I said, come work with me. Just follow me. I cannot tell you in particular what the, this new curriculum of life is for you. I said, but I believe as we journey together, the Lord will begin to um, teach you the things that he wants to do. I said, well, okay. If you feel this what God is saying, I, 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 don't, I, I, I don't really see it, but I trust your judgment. So, okay, let's start and see where it goes. So you see what I'm saying? Why I said this is for women's ministry. <laughs> so what I would have said, oh my God, this is so beautiful. Oh, I just feel the wind of the spirit. It's like, we just did one contract. She just said, okay, if that's what you're saying, let's just see. I don't really see, but okay. And that's how we started. So I get her mantle of Deborah. I say, yeah, one of God, this mantle of Deborah, let's see. Well, guess what? Today, a nickname globally is the mantle. That's what they call her, the mantle. Because she has so won the mantle division that she has become the mantle herself. You understand? And when, when was this thing we're talking about? 2022, last year, it was January, we had a conversation. Mantle of Deborah started in March, you know, and boom. We just saw the grace and the power of God, an acceleration happen, you know. And so when God sent her ahead, I could not have seen that. I didn't see it. I didn't even think that there was any. And guess what? She's been in my life for 
13 years before that. I've known Bambi for, I think, maybe 16 years now. So, uh, but we were not friends. So she's best friend with my best friend. <laughs> so, very funny relationship. So, but we just were never chummy friends. So, we see at events, we see at occasions. So, what's your best friend's best friend called? So, even your boo has a boo. Let this be a, a wonderful, all of you best friends. So, we'll see at events, we'll see at location, um, occasions and stuff like that. And we were just, we were just like, hey, pleasantries. Until it was a case of come and mentor me. And I was like, okay, coach you, what am I going to say to her? We won't have for long, you know. But then I never saw a working together. And but God has sent her ahead. And I had spent one year investing in her, not knowing that I was investing in a leader even in my ministry. I need you to understand what I'm talking about because it's a wisdom for some people. There are some people in your life now that you may look down on or you may overlook because you think, oh, this person, I don't see their relevance. But the Bible says a family was coming. So what did God do? God sent Joseph ahead and he was sold as a slave. So if you saw Joseph in Egypt, you never would have respected Joseph. You would never have thought that Joseph was a key to any door, any gate. You would not have even thought he was key to window. You would not have even thought he was key to the wardrobe in a, in, a, in a bathroom because he was just a slave. Do you understand? But he had been sent ahead for the entire nation of Egypt. That's why you must judge no man after the flesh. You must be able to judge people by the spirit. What is the spirit of God saying concerning this person? I remember the first time I and Pastor Stephanie traveled, I invited her and said, you know, she, she was just a random person that used to send me an email. And I'm like, what's this girl sending me email? This girl that addressed at the back is wishing her bum bum, the V, V neck, bad V neck, is turned to waist neck because the V is like, that's the first time I met uh, uh, Pastor Stephanie, that's the dress she was wearing. And this was in the year 2015. You know, long hair. It's like Karishika. Or, you know, up to Hale. I said, mm -hmm. So she came to me, very flowery. She's like, oh, I was so blessed. You know, my, my friend, you know, the friend wanted her to meet me. And they brought her to me. Oh, she, my friend wants to say hi. She's just like, I just very, I remember I said, hey, 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 hey. All these people that it's like, they want to break. I don't have time for this. So, no, after she took my email, she will message me, oh, I'm in New York now, fashion school. I say, I, to God be your glory. You know, I'm happy for you. And then somehow she just started to, you know, come into my view. And it was at the time when I was making a transition in life. And so by the time she finally, you know, came back to Nigeria, back in Nigeria, came to my house, just looked at her like this. Who was really up? Who is this girl? By this time, she had lost weight. She was dry. Spectacles like this that look like uh, she looked like a uh, chamber with side parting. You understand? Bad guys look was what Pastor Stephanie had. I just look at the baby in my living room. I said, What am I gonna do with this game now? You know, what do you want? I don't really know. I'm just like, I just, you know, really, you know, Pastor Stephanie was slaying queen, slaying herself, slaying her life, slaying the world. I'm just like, Lord, what am I gonna do with this person? You know. And I remember my husband said to me one day, this girl one day is going to carry your ministry. 
don't take her for granted, though. I said, Bobby, I beg this one is healing and deliverance that she needs. My husband said, Look, these are the people that someday will be carrying your work. Don't, don't take her for granted. And so I remember saying, Okay, okay, there's something there. And you know, she'll call me sometimes. I hope her Stephanie is listening because I am, I've come for you. So she will call me sometimes. She will just be, No, no, hello, no good afternoon. I'll pick up the phone. What is this one? You know, I'll just be saying, mm, mm, okay, okay, hmm, you know. And I remember one day she was talking to me, she was so angry, she was throwing it. I was saying, blah, blah. I said, what are you doing? Something so I'm exhausted, throwing both to up and down. I say, this one has Basajer spirit. If I draw near me, it will scatter things. I'm not gonna do this. But we kept on the call. So I don't even think she even knows what she was coming for. Because she just kept coming. You know, kept coming. So one day I said to her, I said, what are you doing this weekend? She said nothing. I said, come, let's go to Joss. I said, this woman of God followed me. If you see the dress Stephanie was wearing. <laughs> the dress is, it's not dress, it's shirt. That she just wanted to believe was a dress. It's not a dress. You know so I remember seeing her look at her from head to toe. <laughs> I said, see my protocol face, no problem, let's go. So we got on the plane. So on the plane, she saw a man of God. And she said, yeah, I know that. I know that man of God. I said, go and greet him. <laughs> and she went to greet the pastor. The man looked at her. He said, I said, you know justice cold, right? He was looking at the dress. You know justice cold, right? She said, no. If five minutes were on the flight, she was really telling me, ah, the, the pilot, the pilot is short. This one, this one. I said, talk to him now. You know, I can I can help you with a couple of lines you can use to, to get him. So I said, come in, I said, I'm collecting his number. So she said, went back. She didn't know. She didn't know. The time is coming that she will spend about 24 hours doing prayer fire. Fire Friday. You understand? She didn't see it coming. Just to look at her, I said, I'm going to deal with you. Your destiny is at hand. You understand? So, but little by little, I then began to realize God sent a man ahead in the form of a damsel in distress. Your ability to discern the relevance of people in your future, not looking at them based on where they are now. Do you understand? And seeing what God wants to do with them in the future. So even though throughout that trip, she was holding her dress. Because every time Greece blows, heart attack will want to catch me. I say, God, this is how this girl is going to expose her in what parts outside. You understand? In the name of dress. But today now, this same pastor Stephanie is me that is begging her step. Try your best. Let the clean tight small. Reduce, let the leg be short, short legs small. You are still a single girl. Do you understand what I'm talking about? This the power transformation that is not made evident in the present because the time has not yet come. So you need to know how to invest in an image that doesn't look like the future, but you know that the person is has a relevance in the future. Yes, Pastor Uche. So even though I I couldn't see, but I said, follow me as my protocol. You understand, and so there are many other things we've had to navigate, you know, over the years. But the truth is, 
The Bible says that God has sent a man before them in the name of Joseph, who was sold as a slave. So he did not come in the form that would have been acceptable. He did not come in the form that would have been received. He did not come in a vessel that would have been appreciated. He came as a slave. He says they hurt his feet and fetters. He was laid in irons until the time um, that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. So even though he was sent ahead, he had a role to play. The Bible says that the word of God had to test him for the word to come to pass. So understand what I'm talking about. So here is Joseph. It says until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. So there was a time for the word to come to pass that Joseph would be the deliverer of Egypt. But before that word of him being the deliverer of Egypt comes to pass, that the word had to tempt him and test him. So the entire destiny of Egypt was hinged on Joseph's success, passing the testing of the word. So the destiny of a nation right now is hinged on your ability to pass your current tests. I need you to understand what I'm talking about. It says that the word of God did not come to pass. So Joseph was literally holding God's word and coming to pass. Why? Because Joseph was anointed to be the manifestation of the word. But before Joseph could manifest the word, he had to pass the testing of the word. So what was the test? A slave. Master slavery and captivity, but in the midst of it, know what it means to be free while you are yet a slave. Is it funny? I'm thinking about it for the first time, actually. Isn't it funny how Joseph entered Egypt as a slave? And the generations later left as slaves. Is it funny how Joseph came as a slave, attained liberty, but the people went and made slaves again? So he entered as slaves and they left as slaves. So it is almost as though that I'm going to have to think about it and pray about it, but I feel like there's something there. But he experienced liberty. You know, so God had to test him. They lied on him. He saw a way out, an alternative with Potiphar's wife. And he didn't take it. But there was something very relevant that happened with Joseph. And I've shared this with you guys before. How the Bible says, while he was in Egypt, even though these things were happened to him, he says, but the Lord was with Joseph. And I said, when you go back and read it in the original Hebrew rendering, it doesn't say that the Lord was with Joseph. It actually says, when you read the Hebrew sentence, it says, and the beingness of the being of God was being with Joseph. And the beingness of the being of God was being with Joseph. Basically, it means everything that made God God as a person, when you were looking for it in that season, it was residing in Joseph. So even though the Bible never recorded that God spoke to Joseph while he was in captivity, there was nothing like that. So he was going each day and all Joseph was riding on, guess what he was riding on? His dream from when he was a child. A teenager, the dreams he had was all he had left in Egypt. You understand? He didn't have anything. He wasn't even speaking. The Bible never recorded like God, God came to Abraham. The Bible never recorded that God came to Joseph. So all he had was he was remembering his dreams, remembering his dreams. So when the woman wanted to, to, to sleep with him, he said, I cannot put this thing before God. So even with chains on his feet, he knew that God was with him. How did he know? 
he had dreamt of it years before. He just knew that the Lord was with him. Nominations I dream of. So when I go into some places with confidence, I know what I know what I'm talking about. I know why. So what became Joseph's confidence even in chains? He said, I can't do this thing before God. Now, the Bible then said that the beingness of the being, so even though he was a slave, the entire office of God and agenda of God at that time, if you were looking for it, go and meet Joseph. Joseph was the expression of God at that moment. Why is it important? Know the people in your life. Know the people in your life. There are some Josephs right now that don't look anything like it. And they are there. In fact, they even look like they are dealing with one major struggle. But in another five years, in another 10 years, that person may be the one that God will use to bring your greatest victory. That person may be the one that God may use to bring deliverance in the land. So you don't invest in people based on their fleshly um, inheritance or wealth or what they present in the fiscal. Invest in their future based on what the Lord has told you about them. So he says, they had his feet with fetters until the time of the word of the Lord came to pass. So in a, from a dream, Joseph was commissioned to Egypt. In a dream, Joseph was recommissioned into his destiny. So Pharaoh had a dream. Pharaoh's dream was Joseph's commissioning. There are some of you here that some great people need to dream about you. They need to see you in a dream. And their, your, the dream they have of you becomes your commissioning into your next season. And when people are saying to the, to the men, ah, why, why, why are you giving this person? They can't even, because in today's world, how will a CEO tell maybe the head of HRO, I dreamt that if we make her director, she will change this company. He can't say it. So he'll just say, you know, um, yeah, I've, I've watched her performance. I'm convinced she can do the job. Well, sir, according to the matrix, um, please, please, I don't want to have an argument. Please just, just drop the letter and um, let's let the board know. Because the CEO cannot tell you that he dreams. So there are some major decisions that people make, people in power, because of dreams. I don't even know what I'm saying. Now, but one thing you want to know about Joseph was that in his time of testing, Joseph was unrelenting about being a person of sacrifice. Remember, sacrifice will get you through the door. So even while he was in the prison, he was helping people find liberty through interpreting their dreams. For many of us, once you get into a, a downtime, a sad time, you just begin to be, you become wicked, selfish. So when people are like, ah, but, you know, this um, sister Musila's birthday, you know, we are all giving 15K to us. Please, on me, I, I, don't, I don't do things like that again. I'm trying to pay school fees. I don't have 15K for anybody. I beg, I beg, I beg, I beg, I beg. All those things are, what is that? But Joseph, even in a prison, he did not allow his natural gifts and the things that God has put within him to die out. He kept interpreting dreams. They would come to him. He would say, oh, you know, this is what I think. This is what I think. This is what you should do. It was one of those good and kind acts that he did in the prison that opened the door. 
that's opened the door to the new day for him. So I need you to take this lesson with you as you go. Keep sacrificing, keep giving, even when you are in a season of hardship. Because the door you are looking for is connected to the sacrifice you are making. The gate you are trying to open is connected to the seed you are sowing. So no matter the restraints and constraints you are going through, always be a person that is seeking to bless, to give before you receive. Always. Because when the day came for the, uh, the cup bearer, I think, to remember, he remembered Joseph. He said there is a man in the prison. And the king was so desperate because he had no choice. God has shut up all his sorcerers, astrologers. And that's another thing I want to touch on real quickly. If you notice the king's inscriptions, because we're talking about gates and behavior royalty, there was almost no king that did not have a council of spiritualists. Have you noticed it in the Bible? There was no king that did not have a council of people that were on spiritual matters for him. It is foolishness to carry weight, authority, and power and not have a strong spiritual base. Your throne will be taken from you. Hey, my husband has come to give me that's so. He said, I could see the future even when you could not see it. It's about this uh, celebrator oil before this council of men. Yes, Uncle Billy has spoken. Yes, you could see the future when I could not see it. <laughs> Thank you, sir, for your counsel. I didn't even know you were here. I celebrate you, sir. That's my husband. He helped me to see past the mini skirt and the square cuts. Thank you, Jesus. So, <laughs> so, um, oh, where was I now? Mm. Here we Yes, so every king needs a spiritual council around him, every king. So even up to the New Testament, we see that when the um, wise kings came, you know, from uh, when the Is the point where you say, "Is you too spoiled? Look at man. Man has entered the church. You can't think again. When they came to meet baby Jesus, uh, remember when they went to meet, uh, is it Potiphar? What was the name of the person? And they said, look, the, a king has been born. Ba, 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 ba. He called his own counsel to say, you go, help me check. What's, what do you see about this person that has been born? Herod. What do you see? And all of that. Every king, you see it with the kings in the time of Daniel. You see it with David. You see it with Solomon. You see it with Saul. Even though Saul wanted to go to the um, back alley, Saul now went to the witch of Endor after he had lost the glory and the presence of God. You know, but there is no king that does not have a spiritual counsel. You must have it. You need to have it. And it is people who actually have your back i'm not talking about one pastor from the pulpit that has no sense of um responsibility towards you you know so many people say oh this person is my pastor my mentor but it's a distance 
You cannot have mentorship in a distance. You know, there must be close communication. There must be an agreement and a sense of responsibility and accountable accountability between both parties. You know, so you need it as a king. Who do you sit with to dialogue with concerning the future decisions of your kingdom? It is part of the, 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 the cultures of kingship, you know, part of the behaviors of royalty. So we see um, a huge part um, that dreams played. So in a detailed study of the life of Joseph, it reveals that dreams are part of God's living word. You know, they augment what he is saying to us through the written word and with prayer. Through the written word and with prayer. Um, Jesus also taught principles from a dream Solomon had 950 years earlier. So even Jesus honored the dream that Solomon had. You know, um, according to, uh, if you look at the con contextual understanding of Psalm 105, verse 17 to 19, Psalm 105, verse 17 to 19, um, Joseph was refined through the dreams of the butler and the baker of Pharaoh. These dreams refined him while he waited for the word of his own dreams to be fulfilled. Do you get what I'm saying? So dreams and their correct interpretation bypasses the heart's natural defense mechanisms and allows the Holy Spirit to bring conviction and correction. So dreams have the power to provide, to divide between soul and spirit and act as a discloser of the thoughts and the intents of people's hearts. So when you have dreams, usually they reflect your true behavior. They really reflect. So if in a dream now, a lion is coming after you and you are running or in a dream, they threaten you. And you're like, please don't give me, please don't. It's a reflection of your spiritual state. But if in a dream, they're like, I'm going to do it. You say, me, me, do with me, I will do with you. In fact, right now, it's a reflection of who you really are. So dreams have the power to divide the soul and the spirit and is a disclosure of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. So the kingdom of God is gained by receiving the ongoing word, the preceding word that comes from the mouth of God. So dreams are a major component of preceding word, preceding word, sorry, not preceding. It says, um, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. So dreams are preceding words from God's mouth, dreams. And the kingdom of God is built on proceeding words. So the natural person thinks that dreams come from much activity, but it's not necessarily so, not all dreams. So there are some dreams that come from the much activity of the day. That's why you also need discernment. Discernment to know this dream, is it from, is it because I kept thinking about Glasses, glasses, glasses. Then I saw myself in a dream last night. All I was selling was glasses. It's possible. However, sometimes because you are meditating on glasses, God will then use a dream that involves glasses. Thank you, Uche. God blessed. God will then use a dream that involves glasses to then speak to you maybe about seeing into the future. So the things you meditate on God during the day, God uses it as, um, what do they call that thing now, where you are using something as an not example. Anyway, God uses it to then teach you lessons in your dreams. 
So not all and as an analogy of, of some sort, you know, so not all meditations during the day that you see in the dream that says that as a metaphor, it doesn't mean that he's saying that, oh, or fits the dream, no. So many people, scientists actually, they were, they've been known to think on as a symbolism, yes. Scientists have been known to think on issues just before they take a nap. And while they sleep, they usually find solutions in their dreams. So you can have a business problem now that you are praying about. And when you go to bed, God will then show you how to solve the problem, who to talk to, where to go. God does it all the time, all the time. So the problem with us is because we are not, we are not behaving as spiritual men. So we don't maximize the resource of our human spirit. Your human spirit is very powerful. This is why witches, wizards, warlocks, they summon people's spirits at night. Because you are there, you don't know that your spirit can move. So you just go to bed recklessly. How about you go to bed and before you pray? So there's a prayer I teach my children. And I say to them, say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, as I go to bed, I commit my spirit, I commit my soul into your hands. And I ask that you show me the visions of heaven. Anywhere where my spirit is called that you, and you are not there, Lord, answer by, they will shout fire. So I began to teach them that begin to pray against the summon of your spirit into strange places where you go to bed. Ask the Holy Spirit to answer by fire. And then tell the Holy Spirit, I'm available. If you're available, we can have a Zoom call while I'm sleeping. Book a meeting, you know. Tell him, I'm here for encounters. I'm here for visions. I'm here for revelation. Take over my time of sleep. You know, take me on spiritual excursions into the realm of the spirit. Reveal to me the heart of the father. Because there is a measure of intentionality that is required for encounters to be produced in the life of a man. So things don't just happen to us. Many times intentionality is a spiritual culture that births a lot of encounters in people. So we don't have believers that are intentional about spiritual moves. That's why we don't have a lot of movement in, spirit, in the church today. So what I'm doing in this season of teaching you is that I am rebirthing in you intentionality about spiritual things. So as you become awakened to spiritual things, you will see that a lot of spiritual activities happen around you every day and you've been missing them because you have deadened that part of you that responds to the spirit. You understand what I'm saying? So there is the need to repent and apologize to the Holy Spirit for our insensitivity and ignorance of his voice to us in the night. So this is where we are going to end it now. Some of us have to repent. We have to say, Lord, I am sorry that I have taken you for granted. I am sorry, Lord, that I have not listened and I have not paid the price for the things you've given to me. A couple of things I want to say very quickly. There are some things that can stagnate your dream life. You know, so um, one of the things is trauma. You know, sometimes when people are going through serious trauma, it affects because the Bible says, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So the prosperity of your soul can determine the health of every other component of your being. 
So when the souls of people are going through a lot, it tends to affect their spirit, the ability to receive and connect with God. It affects it physically and affects it spiritually. Now, the response to trauma is not a linear line. For some people, it's the opposite that happens. When they are going through trauma, they break out majorly in spiritual encounters, visual dreams. They begin to see, they begin to respond even more to the Lord because they've learned to thrust themselves in God, you know, in that season. Another thing that can affect your dream life is taking your dreams for granted. So part of the spiritual cultures that make you powerful in the realm of the spirit and keeps your gate open is your culture of stewardship. Any gate you don't effectively steward will be stolen from you or will be shot to you. So you need to have a culture of effective stewardship. So when you don't steward your dreams or any spiritual gift, you lose it. No, it, God doesn't take it away from you, but Satan can steal it from you by either corrupting it, either perverting what it is used for, or blinding your eyes so that you don't even see that it exists. So there are many people that God has even given that capacity. He says, I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh, my sons and daughters, Will my owner will dream dreams. So there is an allocation of dreams to you that you did not maximize. So it has stopped. The spirit of the dream world is no longer speaking. So effective stewardship is very, very important in how um, you manage your dreams. So how do you steward? When you wake up, record it, pray about it, look for scriptures that back up or defend it. Part of the, 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 the things that was very helpful for me is very early on in our marriage, my husband started buying me books on dreams. You understand? Because he notices every morning I wake up, oh, yeah, I had a dream. I dreamed that. say, you are not this, your dreams. I wake up again, I had a dream. In the dream. In fact, before we were married, I had a dream. I started seeing his pastor, his church, before I met them. In the dream, I dreamed that I was working with your pastor. This was years before I met Dr. Tony Rappu. I was dreaming. And God was showing me the things I would do. So for a while, I was in Ghana, still a student. And he did not know. I was not on his radar. I was already having dreams. And the Lord was telling me. And I didn't even know the person. It's not now that. I don't even know. Was there YouTube in 2007? I don't even know. Was there YouTube? I don't even know. But so I, I didn't even see the person. I didn't even know who he was. But I'll tell my husband, I had a dream. It was your pastor. He said, how do you know the, the, my pastor when you've not seen my pastor? I said, I saw it in a dream. God showed me. And in the dream, I was helping him do this. I was doing this. I was doing that. So I knew already from 2007 that I was going to serve under him. So there was nothing you were going to tell me when the time came to make me believe I was in error. So um, dream. So my husband, early on, then when we got married, he just started buying me books. He would say, take this book, read it. Good, I always dreaming. So as I started to read the books, because there was no main information available on, in, in the mainstream as of where I was and, you know, so I, nobody was teaching about it. And then I found another very good resource. Um, his name is John Paul Jackson. He's dead now, but as far as I'm concerned, he's one of the most profound um, teachers on dreams and visions, John Paul Jackson. So I found his website, which is dreamsandmysteries.org. Oh, he was from Texas. Oh, look at that. You know, the name of his website is dreamsandmysteries.org. 
So please make sure you look for that website. There are so many resources, teaching materials and materials on dream interpretations. So he will give like a dream, they will act it like a movie and he will explain, they will tell you she saw a clock in the dream and the, the time was nine o'clock. Nine means this, clock means seasons. This means that please go back and look for these resources. So it's part of how you can see what your dreams. Sometimes share it with the right person that can remember it. So my, my friend Ijoma, I call her um, my assistant Holy Spirit. So many of the things that I forget, she tell me, Pia, I remember now. You said so, 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 and so, and so. Then you, I say, hey, yeah, I said it. She say yes now. Then sometimes we're talking, she say, you know, it reminds me of that, your dream. I say, which one I bet? Tell me. She said this dramatic lady maybe like several years ago. In the dream, I'll say, hey, hey, wow, wow, wow. Or I may be sharing a dream with her and she's typing it as I'm sharing it. You understand? Uh -huh. In fact, there's a joke when I say, when the scripture says, and the Holy Spirit will bring to remember all, remembers all things. I said, my own is, and she will bring to remembrance all things. You know, so she will then send me the documents, PI. See the document for that dream that you shared with me. Sometimes you need people that are very effective stewards of what you carry. It will help you and it will strengthen what God is doing in your life. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. So make sure you are filling yourself up with the word so that you have faith to receive everything that God is giving to you and saying to you, whether it's in a dream, in a vision, in a prophecy, because these things will help you preserve the gates, open the gates and keep the gates so that there is a consistent flow of the will of God into your life in Jesus' name. So I want us to repent and just say, Lord, for every time that I have taken my dreams, my visions and prophecies for granted, have mercy on me. Today I repent and I receive forgiveness by the blood. Holy Spirit, I want to do it differently. I want to be an effective steward of your word. Teach me how. Give me the diligence and give me the discipline. Send me people that will strengthen and empower this resolve. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you've made that prayer, I want you to know that God has heard you. And I want you to make the necessary changes and shifts. Buy a journal for your dreams. Separate a note on your phone for your dreams. On your recorder, have a file to record your dreams. Voice recording. Remember, I told you how I received songs in dreams. Explanation of scriptures in dreams. I go for conferences in my dreams. And I will tell you what the speakers were saying, you know. So there are different dreams. There's a dream of the Lord where you know this is a prophetic dream. You know, there are sometimes when the enemy is trying to harass you and you see it is not that the enemy is the one giving you the harassing dream, but sometimes you see the harassment being planned for you. You see it in a dream. God just opens your eyes to see what's going on in the spirit realm around you. You understand? And then there are sometimes when you have nightmares, those ones are not necessarily dreams. And you feel a presence enter your room and you know something, you just know 
So basically, it is your spirit coming awake to what is going on in the spirit realm. That's what we wake up and call a dream. But it is just the awakening of the spirit to its environment. So some places can inspire dreams. So Joseph is at an altar at Bethel and he starts to dream. Um, they, um, Abraham is at an altar and he starts to dream. So altars can open dreams to you. So you can get to a house where there's an altar to a demonic spirit and you are opened up to start having certain demonized dreams. So sometimes the place where you are can determine the harassment or the blessing you receive at night. So that's why you have to be very intentional about pleading the blood over locations that you get into and just declaring over yourself and your family the power of God. Some houses, they built altars underneath, the real estate agents built altars underneath in the foundation before they built that beautiful house that you bought. And then you are there and your ninth time is a struggle. You have to go into prayer. Understand that there are certain harassments from hell. Okay? I don't know what that is that you just posted, Osamu Um, So um, I pray that God gives us revelation. So Pastor Stephanie, prayer reign team, all of us, we are having Friday fire tomorrow because we cannot just end like this. So tonight is our last session um, for access this month. But tomorrow, there's a 24-hour prayer rally. So tonight, we end at our 9.30, by the grace of God. Oh, no, we we'll end much earlier, actually. You know, remember, Rabbi Alan is with us this evening. He's going to be with us this evening. So I'm getting ready for a beautiful time. All these things I've shared with you when I said the Hebrew word. And then what it says in the original Hebrew Bible, well, this is the teacher that helps me and expands my um, vocabulary when it comes to um, the Hebrew text. So he's going to be around. I'm sure you can take questions um, when he's with us this evening. So we end, let's say we end by nine. Let us assume. Um, 12 a.m., you know, 12 a.m., the prayers begin. Pastor Stephanie, am I right? The prayers begin from 12 a.m. that night, and it goes all the way to, to Friday, 12 a.m. again. So it's until Saturday. So once Saturday, 12 a.m. reaches, that's when the prayers end. So 12 a.m. tonight into Saturday, 12 a.m. In fact, she says it's 36 hours. So okay, yes, Pastor Stephanie, I'll let you to... share the details. Okay. Um, type it. Tell us when we start and when we end. Okay. Okay. So okay. get ready to join the prayers. No, no, let us end this access with a spiritual bank. Let us hit it in the spirit realm. You know, so that anytime you connect tomorrow, Friday, prayers are ongoing. Jump in, pray in the Holy Ghost, be declaring access because everything we have taught in the past seven days, they will use it to pray throughout Friday. So when you jump in, you will hear dreams. When you jump in, you will hear altars. When you jump in, you will hear covenants. So there will be something we're praying about. Make sure you join the stream of prayers going on throughout Friday. But for now, I will see you again. 7 p.m. today. Remember, 12.30 p.m. this afternoon, there's prayer till 1. 6.30, there's prayer till 7. And at 7, we begin. And this time, I can assure you, I will start at 7. So don't join at 7.30. I'll start at 7 because we need to close 
early today. So God bless you. I love you guys. Um, I hope that you are able to possess your gates. Um, thank you for all the spiritual fun that we have and the fellowship um, that we've had together. I'm really, really going to miss this company of people. Um, but by the grace of God, we will continue um, next month. But we have not ended. I will see you later tonight. Have a blessed and amazing day. Um, stay in prayers. If you don't have to rush up to work, once we get off the call, go into prayers. Uh, for those of you in America and other nations that are way behind us in time, it is just about midnight for you. So take the opportunity to pray. Oh, 2 a.m. Oh, wow. Okay. All right, Daniela. Uh, so just take the opportunity to pray and to wait on the Lord. And if you are in America, actually, I think fire conference is starting on the 7th, I think today. So make sure you attend the fire conference at Rig Global um, that is starting on the 7th. The fire conference. Look, if I had my way, I would be, if I yesterday evening, me and Apostle were speaking, I was like, P.I., why are you not here? He said, Apostle, this is the question I'm asking myself too. I said, but me, I'm having fire. I said, because anything now, you say I'm like, fire. I said, it's like this fire conference is coming for me here in Nigeria. You know, so if you are there, it's open to you. Go and attend the fire conference. It's going to be really powerful. Um, so yeah, God bless you. And for those of you in Kenya, I hope you are all, all registered to be at Rema Feast. I'm looking forward to seeing you soon. And if you are in Uganda and you'd like to join our planning team, reach out to Pastor Stephanie and uh, we are already planning for Uganda in November, November the 4th. And I'll see you guys soon. God bless you. Love you very much. Have a great day. Bye. We love you love so you. much. Thank you, Pastor. We love Thank you. you so much. God bless you. Love you.